Right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Busy day at the legislature. Yes. Throne speech day. What's going on? Yeah, throne speech is always a fun day at the legislature. Literally, things are sort of opening up. Um, a lot of pomp and ceremony. Uh, you've got a lot of security, obviously, yeah. uh, enhanced security, because there's a protest up front, a mm. pro-Palestine protest, which is just, you know, orderly. Uh, not very big crowd, but they have a megaphone. So it's going to be an interesting arrival for the lieutenant governor. Usually inspects the honor guard, and there's a military band. Yeah. Now they're competing for airtime with people with megaphones. So And a 21-gun salute? No, or is it a 19-gun salute? That's not happening this year. Oh. Much to my disappointment. One oh. of my favorite parts of is these cannons yeah, they're... that are out in the harbor that take everybody by surprise. So suddenly it's like you're under aerial bombardment. Yeah. They're incredibly loud. People jump literally like, whoa, oh, what's yeah. that? But apparently local protests, which I can see pet owners being concerned about. That's like a really, really, really loud fireworks display. Yeah. But that's not happening this year. So that's some of oh. the pageantry that will not be there. Oh, okay. But the speech is at 2 o'clock. Um, or just after two o'clock, there'd be a ceremony before that. They're going to the, uh, Parliament meets at Legislature meets just after noon to prorogue the previous session. Yes, it takes about five minutes. They come back uh, at around two. Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin will arrive here, and then she'll read the speech from the throne. Now, t- traditionally, throne speeches are long on rhetoric and very short on detail. The and, throne drone. The throne drone. Yes. So. Not expecting a lot of details in today. So there's going to be references to housing initiatives, for example. Uh, what a surprise. Yeah. Not. Affordability issues. <laughs> One thing I'm picking up, though, there's going to be more stuff about protection of youth. We've seen that in David Eby seems to me, the premier seems to be making that a, an area of priority for him. So he's talked yeah. about uh, measures about combating sextortion. Attorney General Nikki Sharma recently talking about... Uh, uh, explicit images yeah. uh, on the internet. Yeah. Um, so you're going to see some more measures aimed at protecting the youth. That's going to be one. And also a, a signal, I, my understanding is that now is not the time for the government to pull back in terms of support. And you saw that um, recently, that shift last week with Premier David Eby talking about helping out the middle income people, which is defined as a family income of 190000 yeah, unless, which is, whoa, the first time we've seen an NDP government embrace that. In fact, just a few minutes from now, the prime minister is in Vancouver with David Eby. Yes. And the prime minister is going to be announcing uh, the federal version of Build BC, which is the uh, last week the provincial government announced $2 billion in, in low-cost financing to build housing, 4,000 units. Um, my understanding is the prime minister is going to announce something similar hmm. in scope, but over a longer timeline. Um, and he's going to be doing that in other provinces as well. It's interesting. So you got Trudeau here. He, he'll be with EB for yep. this announcement. Uh, you got Vancouver Mayor Ken Sim as well. And housing will be the topic. Trudeau has certainly changed his tune here on housing. Let's go back in the Wayback Machine. Here's what he had to say, well, not all that long ago about housing. This is Justin Trudeau. I'll be blunt as well. Housing isn't a primary federal responsibility. It's Uh, not something that we have direct carriage of. But it is something that we can and must help with. That's something we disagreed with our previous Conservative colleagues. Okay. (laughs) Now now it's very much uh, part of his priorities. We're we're talking probably billions of dollars. I mean, the province has got $2 billion 
plus another $950 million. We expect the feds to come up with similar numbers just minutes from now. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a bit of a 180 here by the prime minister. Sure. Um, again, as the next election approaches, they have to find some Im- some issues that they can connect with voters on. Housing is a huge issue for people. Yeah. And it's interesting, again, it's not low income is the target. It's it's middle income, which is defined as, as less than $190,000 family income. Both of these governments in pre-election mode here. I mean, we've got a provincial election in the fall. We've got a federal election. Yeah. Who knows? Could come earlier the next year. But uh, both of them, and I think, realize that housing housing is crucial. We've got this is an election year throne speech. And on Thursday, yeah. we're going to have an election year budget. Very unusual. In fact, I can't ever remember all my time here of having a throne speech followed by a budget just two days later. It's sort of a quirks of the calendar. Family Day yesterday sort of pushed things. What around. are you hearing on that budget? Like you mentioned earlier that, oh, the government's not going to be tightening its belt. Well, well no no kidding. We've got an election in the fall. They're not going to be cutting. They're going to be spending, right? Budgets aren't huge secrets anymore because every year the budget is presented as part of a three-year fiscal plan. Yeah. So the this year's budget is basically was revealed in last year's budget. You see, the for with the exception of a few details, the, uh, the Premier has hinted very broadly at some sort of energy um, rebate yes. or something tied to sort of a give back to people when it comes to energy, whether it's um, home heating, whether it's BC hydro rates, there's going to be something in that budget for that. There's also a new tax on flipping houses. That's going to be part of that uh, part of that budget. But, you know, um, you go out on a limb and say the health care is going to go up $500 million because it does every year. And you can, again, go back to last year's budget as part of the three-year fiscal plan. Yeah. And they're pretty consistent, both the B.C. Liberal previous government and the NDP government, pretty consistent on their spending. You don't see a lot of um, uh, surprise in that. Where there's, uh, I think, a bit of um, gamesmanship is on the revenue side. Governments always like to underestimate revenue. So when the revenues come in, what do you know? The budget's actually even better than it was when it was presented. The deficit will be smaller. So there will be a deficit, but... The government's going to signal in the throne speech today and in the budget, now is not the time to employ austerity measures. <laughs> no, not with an election not in the fall. Election around the month. Uh, I don't we're think they'll be going into austerity we're, mode I right now. We're going to go into um, austerity mode ever. Yeah, well, well, I mean, we're gonna, it's going to be a big de- deficit. And speak. let's go back to that BC Hydro rebate for a minute, because EB kind of very clearly hinted this is coming. And he's feeling pressure on that point, right? Because you've got the opposition... You've got the conservatives that are surging in the polls, the B.C. Conservative Party basically promising to get rid of the carbon tax. Yeah. And you've got the B.C. United Party and Kevin Falcon saying he would remove the carbon tax from home heating fuels. Mm-hmm. So EB's got to do something. Yeah. He's got to give something. He's yeah, got to give people I, I, something on it. And I think he has to be careful of um, harming B.C. Hydro's finances because yeah. B.C. Hydro is in a position now of having to import power. And it used to be able to sell power to the tune of more than a billion dollars. Yeah. Those days are over for now because of the drought. So the reservoirs are... Well, now we're buying levels. power. We're bu- a purchaser of power, yeah. which means hydro's bottom line is going to suffer. And I don't think you can take money from hydro. So I, I think it's going to have to be something external to hydro. Okay, I'd like to be a fly on the wall here for any kind of private chat between uh, EB and Trudeau here, especially after Trudeau's transportation minister yeah. the other day, his environment minister, Stephen Gilbeau, said the, the federal government's going to get out of the business of building roads, something that he's been going into contortions to try and walk back ever <laughs> since ever since he said it. But 
there are so many big projects in BC where the province is looking for federal well, dollars. Number, let's, number, listen to, let's listen to EB yeah. on that, okay, on, that, on this precise point. So here is EB talking about, look, we need the federal government to, to help put some money on the table here. Let's listen. To recommit, as he did in the days following the flood, that he was going to support the valley, uh, support the trade corridors in British Columbia, support the Massey Tunnel Project. Uh, we are counting on those commitments, and uh, we're patient uh, but we won't wait if the answer is no. Uh, we need to know what the answer is. Your thoughts? Yeah. So the big the big ask for BC is the Massey Tunnel yeah. replacement. That's a very expensive project. They need federal dollars, yeah. or cer- certainly earnestly desire federal dollars. Also, Highway One improvements uh, because of the yes. of the damage done to Highway One um, and just the expanding population. Those are the two big asks from BC when it comes to transportation projects and. I just can't see the feds turning their backs in a lot, with an upcoming election. Just as, as housing never used to be a priority, suddenly it is for Trudeau to the tune of billions of dollars. And I think he's going to overrule his, as you say, the federal minister's in contortions walking back his comments. Well, you got to wonder what was going through Gilbo's head when well, he said that a, they were going to stop funding big road building projects. He's a fairly, it was a former, a very... Um, well-known environmental activist. Sure, you know, very committed to fighting climate change yeah. at almost all expense. And one of cars are bad. Getting rid of vehicles. Well, that yeah. politically, that's a bit of political suicide. Hey, it's Baldry's beat, and the phone lines are open six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight star ninety eight ninety eight on your cell. Elmer in Vancouver. Hi. Hi, gentlemen. Yes, I think there should be something in the budget or the throne speech about the site seat project because it's late and over budget. Now, the NDP and the B.C. Liberal parties both gave the Site C the green light. And so um, I'm wondering, uh, along with the budget and, uh, and the throne speech, uh, can the B.C. Conservative Party make some political headway by distancing themselves from the Site C project? I kind of doubt that. First of all, there will be a reference to Site C in the budget. There is every year. It's in the capital project list. Yeah, um, and we'll see. If there's usually an update on the money that's been spent, and we'll see if the final figure changes. Uh, there is an estimate figure for the final uh, completion um, number. We'll see if that changes. I don't see the BC Conservatives making hay out of sight. See, I mean, we need more electricity, and I think uh, it is over budget, no question. Uh, it's having some issues of in terms of the, the reservoir uh, being filled up, but uh, no, I, I don't. I think sight see is an issue. Is sort of been in the past, not in the future. Sixteen billion dollar project. Maybe they throw the switch on it next year. Yeah, is that is that the plan? And and twenty twenty five. And it'll take. It'll help. It'll help ease the the energy crunch we've got here in this province when we imported twenty percent of our power last year. It's not going to answer it though. No, it's not going to fill up all no. of the. You know. No, no it, but it's certainly. Uh, uh, it's interesting. It's never been more important to have that yeah. facility than than before. I mean, back when it was being opposed. I don't think people envision the population exploding the way it has, and yeah. electricity needs exploding as well. Well, I remember listening to John Horgan go on and on for days on end about why we didn't need it. We yeah. don't need the power. we got a surplus of power. We don't need to build this thing. Yep. Now, well, thank goodness they're building it. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Natalie in Port Coquitlam. Hi, Natalie. Go ahead. Hi. Um, okay, so there's thousands of single people in British Columbia who um, who earn less than fifty thousand dollars? Now, now you're now you guys have talked about this morning that basically both the federal and provincial governments are saying we don't matter, 
and no, no. Um, we're going to stick every single consumption tax on you that we can. Too bad, so sad. So who who are they going to vote for? And and I think that these parties are in trouble because if those people don't show up at the polls, you're left with the people who earn more than a, you know a hundred thousand dollars a year who've got. The Conservatives, the BC United, uh, the NDP to choose from. So, so vote. I think there's a bit of confusion here. It's not like some of these programs are replacing low-income problems. Right now, uh, a number of aid programs at the provincial level and federal level sort of tap out at seventy, eighty thousand dollars income. Sure, it's means tested. So what's what's going on now is the expansion yes. of the number of people who are eligible for a number of things, whether it's housing or some of these other financial aid projects. A recognition that people, just because you earn $100,000, doesn't mean you're suddenly in the clear, particularly when you factor in housing. When you, if your rent's $3,500 a month, uh, $100,000 doesn't really cut it. Let's say you've got a family income of, I don't know, 80000 Well, you've had and... callers on the show phone in and say they can't find a place to, to live I know. on $80,000 income. Well, and even more than that. Yeah. I mean, this is this is why EB is saying, well, the target on you'll for a hundred ninety one thousand dollar family income, you'd be eligible for government housing under this plan. Yep. Now, here's the thing: let's say you you're making half of that. Let's say you're making a hundred grand family income, but you've got a roof over your head. You don't need a home. You've got a home already. Now your tax dollars are going mm-hmm. to pay for housing for someone making twice as much as you. Yep. Right. Yep. And will there be any backlash on that? Will people take a look at it and say, wait a second, I know. why are we building social housing for people making almost 200000 bucks a year? Well, it's not so much social housing. It's, it's just it's, well, it's subsidi- government subsidized, uh, but it's low financing. There's still You've still got to pay. Yeah. It's not, you're not getting it for free. So I don't think there'll be a backlash. I think a re- governments that start to recognize that the middle-income people, which is a huge bulge of the population, need help as well. Not just I think the government is, the government's counting on the opposite of a backlash exactly. that this will be incredibly popular and people are going to love it and vote for it. Not sure so, it'll be incredibly popular, but I don't think it's going to be unpopular. Yeah, but on the other now on the other side of the coin, you got Kevin Falcon here is desperately trying to get some traction here and catch up in these opinion polls to go after these conservatives, which are bedeviling him right now, saying that he would scrap the whole EB plan. And he came up with his own interesting plan last week, I thought, when especially when we talked about rent-to-own, get rid of the provincial sales tax on, on new builds. Yeah, so it's two different approaches, and they're both valid. I mean, yeah. so the NDP's approach is government's involved in the creation of housing. Falcon's yeah. approach is the private sector is the one involved, and the government relaxes uh, its involvement. Which sort of mirrors the, the, the debate federally, too, yeah. with, between Trudeau and Polyev. So. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, I think you've seen Trudeau dragged into this. In a way, that clip we played off the top, um, that was then, this is now. Yeah. Yeah, no, everyone, you've got politicians at every level of government now tripping over themselves, yeah. basically, to, to promising to fix this. And I guess we'll see who wins. What about the conservatives? What BC Conservative Party, what's their housing plan? I haven't well, heard sure, it. I'm sure we're going to get something from Rustad and the conservatives sometime this session yeah. on housing. This is going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be a fun session. <laughs> Especially with that BC Conservative Party oh, here. Oh, yeah, and why, watch, all for kinds the, of watch for... David Eby and Rabbi Kalon and Mike Farnworth in the House taunt the United Party and the Conservatives. Like, who's the leader here? Which, yeah. Who speaks for, for, for the alternative to the NDP? Yeah. Rustad is trying to stamp out the United Party, and <clears throat> the United Party is trying to stamp out Rustad. I think so we have gonna, lots of sound clips to play. And here. lost in all this is the Green Party. So yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be a lively, oh, them, right. <laughs> lively session.